Hey guys, this is the season finale and long-awaited promised episode on Chris Voss. I won't spoil it any more than I already have, so just get in there and enjoy. Safety's off. The safety is off. Safety's off. Welcome to the Unnamed Sales Podcast. We're live from San Francisco. I'm Luke, and I'm still on SDR in training. And I'm Felix, still in enablement. <laughs> we are in a hotel room with mugs of whiskey and... Chin chin. <laughs> that's how a mug goes cheers on a MacBook sitting on a sideboard, so... It's a soft drop. <laughs> Looking forward to today's episode. Um, yeah. How's your week been, Felix? Because... We've been doing some different things. So it's not like we know exactly what each other have been doing all week. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's been good to see each other. You know, it's yeah. been a it's been a year or so since we've been together in real life. But that weekend in in LA, we had a bit of fun. Um, that's for another show. That's the after dark show. But um, <laughs> yeah, so this week I've been I've been in the office headquarters over here in San Francisco, tech company, and all of that. Um, yeah, nice. meeting meeting that company. We just signed up to deliver the new methodology. So busy. Well, all when we spoke about three or four episodes ago. Yeah, it must have been three episodes ago. What about you? What have you been up to this week? Went Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, yeah. Um, trying to get things ready for, um, obviously, that next step, the gold that we keep uh, referring back to. I have a set date. So what date is it today? Like 3rd, 4th of November? Yeah. Yeah. So the 6th of December, I'm actually sitting my gold certification. So starting to get, I've got my my what I'm going to be saying up until actually jumping onto the platform. Um, my intro, what I'm going to be discussing, and you've been kind of helping me and tweaking things. Bit of storytelling, bit of story, like huge amount of storytelling. Uh, we'll save that for season two. It'll either be uh, <laughs> back to the drawing board or it'll be a celebration of some sort um, next year. But yeah, that's up at the moment. That's my entire focus is split fifty fifty between making sure that. Me and Paddy are successful, and then making sure that I'm passing my gold. So yeah. I know that's a lot, but that is really going on right now, and Very that's all good. I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, you've got look aim of the game. You know, you got your metrics, you know where you're going, and you've got that. Uh, you got that target in sight. So I think I think you're going to be good. But today we're finally going to chat about our friend Chris Voss and his book Never Split the Difference. So probably let's give a bit of an intro to the book for those who don't know it. So basically, Chris Voss was chief negotiator for the FBI. He basically figured out a lot of the things he talks about in his book, True Experience, True Living Through Some Very Serious Situations, Hostage Situations and Kidnaps and things like that. And thought afterwards, after collecting this body of work, a lifetime's work really, that many of the techniques that they figured out and they, they they kind of formalized as how to negotiate. They've said some of this stuff is actually applicable or might be applicable to the business world. So, you know, Luke and I have both been reading this book. Um, I think you put me on it, right? Yeah, well, uh, what happened was one of the guys in my office was like not hitting his number and when I first arrived. And then two months later, he just suddenly started massively overachieving. He doesn't work with us anymore. I was like, oh. 
What's the secret sauce? What have you been doing? What are you doing? (laughs) Oh, I've been reading this book. I was like, what book are you reading? He goes, never split the difference. Chris Foss. I was like, is that like, have you been doing other stuff, other training? He goes, no, no, I just read the book. What is this wizardry? All right. (laughs) I haven't read a book in a few years, so that's the one I'm going to start with. Um, And yeah, bought it. Um, Read it slowly because as you, well, you can explain the book a little bit further before I kind of start talking about that. But yeah, it's, um, there's a lot to take in. There is, there is. I mean, look, obviously it's, it's it's not a business book, but there's lessons from real life, serious negotiation uh, situations that have been brought into the business world on techniques on how to talk to people, how to, like they say, not split the difference. How do you trade rather than negotiate? How do you anchor a, a situation so that you're getting the better out of it? And how are you uncovering the root of an issue really because he talks about in the book a lot of a lot of negotiations are subterranean i mean they're not surface level there's stuff that is happening behind what's going on i think a lot of that comes to the fore and we see that uh, as we go through a sales cycle and i think some of it's not not necessarily relevant either um it's hard to draw he makes another comment which is um like negotiation is not just happening in business. It's happening every time somebody demands something like I want a coffee or I need, I need you to move over so I can sit down. That's another negotiation. You wash the dishes. <laughs> like that's a negotiation immediately. So it's, it's skills for not just, yeah, the business word, but transferable throughout. And you need to put your own filter on it. So that's why me coming from the SDR side is. Like I, I, I read it and I absorbed certain pieces and the things that are good are good. Um, but I didn't realize like the company I worked for in Ireland had instilled a lot of these in me without me realizing. So I didn't know what methodology they were yeah. using, but they're obviously <laughs> piggybacking off that. But, like the open questions, the layered questions um, that we discussed. Labeling. About, labeling. And um, mirroring. Yeah. Mirroring is, I always thought, before I started working in Canada that mirroring was just copying the tone of voice yeah. until I read Never Split the Difference and mirroring if if I ask Felix um, can we go now because I, I'm, I'm really broken I don't want to take any more time in San Francisco I need to fly out tomorrow yeah and I'm coming straight in saying look, look it seems like that you're, you're pretty burned out and maybe you want to get out of here is that what you're telling me? Yeah, just repeating the thing that people said yeah. and and seeing what comes back. But rephrasing it in your own words so you don't yeah. sound like a robot, right? Yeah. Uh, and another topic, another topic or another kind of tip on the mirroring I found as well was, you know, if somebody says a key word, and I found this in, in sales a lot, that you can latch onto that word, something unusual, then it shows you're paying attention. Then a prospect or a customer knows they're being listened to. For example, if... You ask the customer, you know, you know, what are you doing today or whatever? And he said, well, look, I've been busy. I've been dilly-dallying with this thing. You can latch on to that unusual word dilly-dallying because he knows you're paying attention. You're saying, okay, so what you're telling me is you're, you're dilly-dallying. How are you dilly-dallying with that? And just by reiterating or mirroring that word, you've shown you've paid attention and you're also continuing that conversation and ask that open question so that he can continue to explore the, the conversation. He'll open up a bit more. And that's a beautiful example 
of how Chris Voss explains it in one way, but you need to change it to a way that's applicable in your life. So he doesn't tell it in that way, but that's a realistic use of uh, the mirror. The way that they say it is like, repeat the last thing they said, which is yeah. clear and obvious of what you're doing. Anyone that is done above like age 12 English knows that somebody's just repeated something at you and it hits you in the face. You're like, oh crap. But he, he admitted that that's the type of person he is. He's, it, it slaps you in the face and uh, that's the type of negotiator he has been. But um, yeah, so that mirroring, open questions. And then massive one for me um, and I think I've covered this in the podcast without realising maybe I before it you go into it why don't we split it up oh no why don't we split up is this a test yeah no 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 not a <laughs> test not a test um, it feels like this is a test nah why, why don't we split up because you're, you're in the role why don't you talk about what you found as applicable to an SDR you know doing that you know disco to discovery to demo phase we'll talk about what was really useful for you yeah so no demo, but this go it's um But getting to that not getting, not getting caught up um by your known knowns. So things that I know to be true and things that I know to be applicable to a company or things that I know that I've I've experienced in the past, if I become too rooted and too attached to them facts that I know exist, I remove the possibility and the, the opportunity for there to be new information. The curiosity becomes second to me trying to navigate things is what I know. And that's like huge, huge. I've spoken about it loads of times of assuming Absolutely. things. And that goes to what yeah. we talked about in storytelling. And we, we talked about storytelling a few weeks ago and we talked about how the brain is kind of hardwired to find shortcuts. So if you kind of go into a conversation expecting to hear certain things and you start hearing that your brain goes off your brain switches off and then maybe you're not getting the details you really need to uncover an opportunity yeah and then there's a couple more so like he has this quote vision drives decision and if we as sdrs can get people to imagine and sometimes i've as i've like grown in the role and through training from you and other other people like Asking people to imagine, like specifically saying, can you picture this? Or getting people to actually imagine a situation in the future with or without, it creates a different dynamic. Oh, yeah. Um, and if, if you tell people that that's what you're trying to do, I'm trying to imagine your personal situation. I'm trying to imagine your business at its ideal state. Can you please paint that picture for me? Awesome. Visionary. Like it's, there's nothing that can beat it. It's Get such a to imagine. powerful thing. Again, the brain thinks in pictures. I mean, something my wife and I do, we just, we we're lying in bed. We can't sleep. We say, look, let's dream, mm. you know, dream with me. And yeah. we go and imagine a holiday. Cause we like going on holiday. So we yeah, kind of yeah. say, look, let's dream. And we kind of say, well, just where would we love to go? Or let's think about going to Belgium. Cause we want to do Belgium this year. So we say, where, where do we go to Belgium? What's in Belgium? And then, all of a sudden, you know, you're imagining you're in Bruges, you're on the cobble streets, you're by the canal, you're, you know, you're eating their, their fish and chips. You know what I mean? Because yeah. chips are a big thing in Belgium, right? <laughs> uh, and you're sipping on one of their lovely beers. Um, and just by saying, let's dream, you're visualizing that world that yeah. you want to be in. And we find that so powerful. And hey, lo and behold, we went and we visited. We, we went, we saw, we conquered, and that's it. Yeah, 100%. That's imagery fantastic and we cover that and then there's loads more loads more but we don't want people to be listening to us for two hours in our last ever episode well last episode this season there'll be another one um there's two things 
And that's aggre- aggressive negotiation fails every single time, eventually. Yeah. People will not negotiate with you. People won't work with you. But also, as an SDR, you shouldn't really be negotiating. Um, it should be a conversation, an open conversation. You should be using open questioning tools to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, but whenever we find out that companies have used a software, um, or maybe it's a company that's like, oh, we've already brought something on, or, oh, we had an issue, but it was a long time ago. Like, how did that go? Is a question that Chris Valls like anchors on quite a lot. How did that go in the past? Who was involved in that? Who who would be in, like to be involved now? Like how do you imagine that situation will be in the future without this solution? Yeah, and that's like oh my, there's like there's so many uses for so many of his tools, but they if you can like get them things right in the right moment, and people really know that you're because if you're using tools that Chris Voss has taught you, it should be for the right reasons. It should be coming from the right place, um, and. Just something I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out here at the end because this is all the things that I like and go really well. Things I don't like is just one one major topic is if you leverage all the tools from one source, like I've mentioned a few times throughout this podcast, you're going to have a shortfall. You're not gonna be having a normal conversation like a like a person that is speaking to another person. Yeah. And it's going to feel like a, a trick. If you use all of Chris Voss's tools as an SDR, you're tricking prospects because you're using them tools and you're basically hoodwinking them and you're you're navigating, <laughs> you're Jedi getting all the strings, Jedi mind tricks, and it's not a healthy place to be and it's not going to last long term. But there's loads of good. There's just everything with a pinch of salt. Filter it in your own way and repackage it. Um, get plenty of plenty of different sources. Um, there's loads out there. Don't just focus on one, but it's not an SDR playbook. It's just pick and choose what you want. Yeah, like, and look, you're very altruistic, Luke. I mean, you're, you've got a, a good, how would I say, ethical bone in your body. I don't even know what altruistic means, by the way. Ah, you're, very, you're, <laughs> good, you're a good guy, right? Let's just, let's just break this down into your father's English. You're a, you're a good guy. I mean, and you're not there out there trying to, like you said, hoodwink a customer. You're out there trying to add value to their business. And if you're coming across as somebody who's, playing a bit of a game with them because at the end of the day, all you want is a signature on a contract. And look, to a certain extent, that is the game. That's the goal for sure. But there's a way of playing the game where you benefit, the customer benefits and your company benefits. I call that the win, win, win. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, I think a lot of salespeople, you know, it's a shiny, it can be a shiny career. It can be very lucrative. You know, I was making a lot of money as a young guy and thinking, geez, this is great. Um, Mm. But I cared about I cared about the solutions I was selling, I, and I cared that I was making a difference in the customer's business. So I think, like you're saying, to never split the difference. Some of the stuff here, like he's he's obviously dealing with very serious situations where there's lives at stake. There's you know it's it's a very serious situation. So he's ultimately trying to diffuse that and bring people around to the point where nobody's going to get hurt. Um, you know, we're not in that world. They always say we're not saving lives. We don't work for the NHS, <laughs> yeah. the HSE or whoever. If you're an SDR and your prospect is uh, taking hostages, that's um, obviously maybe use them in that situation, but only in that situation. Only when you situation. know that your prospect has some hostages and you need to get them out of there. If you're working for the cable tie <laughs> company, the handcuff company. It's a good time. I don't know, the, the dirty rag company. I don't know what, whatever you're selling to hostage. I think I think we've got a good picture of like where it wins for an SDR and where maybe to take it with a pinch of salt at times. Um, but 
where the the next step for me is very clear is uh, in the in the podcast it's in the description everyone's quite aware now that the next step is i want to go and become an ae and i've heard in a few different situations a few different conversations that it is maybe more applicable in some of them circles so i don't know you yeah. interact with more AEs than i do um ah i've just i've just been around the, the proverbial block a bit but i think look it's a book about negotiation. So that's, there's a couple of things here, right? I mean, every every conversation you're in is a bit of a dance. I always say a dance because when a dance, you don't have to, it's not about going forward so someone else goes back because that's that's a win-lose, right? And But I always say a dance because in a dance you can sidestep, right? And I love that expression. I love that view. Um, but I think as you go through the sales cycle, ultimately there's going to be the point where, okay, the need is there, the compelling event or the urgency is there, want to do something about it. But the negotiation part of the sales cycle comes up. Usually mm. this is a table stakes, money piece. You know, you're trading, you know, features and add-ons for money, more cost, more ACV, more TCV, whatever it is. Uh, and this is where, you know, the, the certain sections that come into, certain sections of the book come into their own. I think they can be quite applicable. So I think... One of the things that really stood out to me in the book, and I think this is broader than negotiation itself, that phase of the sales cycle, but I think it's really good to understand is the questions you ask can be so powerful. So you were using good questions earlier on, open questions like what and how, and he calls them calibrated questions in the book. And I, I like that because he also talks about one question you can ask. And, and I agree because I've, I've, ever since I've read this book, I've changed my view on asking this question. Because I've seen how it affects people's body language. I can see what happens when people ask this question. And you probably already know. Right? So what I'm talking about is when you ask somebody why, you're automa- automatically making an accusation. If I ask you, why are you doing that thing today? You automatically get defensive. Yeah. You're saying, what? Oh, because I sat the other night. Luke and I sat down the other night here in the hotel. We had a coffee. And we we're talking about demoing. And I asked you, why is that the way it is? And I could I could see your body language change. You got smaller, you went in, you're <laughs> down, because you become protective. I'm protective of the company. Like, Don't you mess with our plan? Um, but yeah, no, definitely. That, that I remember the feeling. I was like, I have to explain myself now. And I was like, I don't know the answer. I need you're to find to, out the answer. But as a as somebody trying to work with another company, you're trying to sign them up, you're trying to bring them on board. Asking a why question is a very dangerous thing to do unless, as Chris Voss says, you're asking a why question where the defense of the defense you're asking them to make is in favor of your argument, right? So right. if you've already pre-agreed with them that, look, this makes sense, again, finding common ground and you've almost led them into that situation and you kind of kind of end or kind of bookend that with why are we doing this and they're reiterating the whys that you've already fed them that's more reinforcing your argument yeah okay and therefore the justification they're making um goes from being it's still emotional but it's backed by the logic you supply you know what i mean because we always say that decision-making yeah. is emotional and then backed up with logic. From the other side, when I received you asking me why in a very t- in a very specific, sharp way, um, 
it allowed me to rethink the way I was thinking. Yeah. Which is fantastic. So I think also, yeah, to when you've come up in agreement, me and you've come up in agreement, you're helping me. We've recorded 10 episodes of a podcast. Know, you know, yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously you're helping me. Um, but yeah, exactly in that way, I felt like the question was hard for me to answer, but it's allowed me to now go and investigate and ask. And I've already asked one person. Like it's You've said something really clever there or really important. Ah, luckily we recorded it. I know, right? Yeah. Re- rewind and <laughs> put that, that. Put that in the book, right? <laughs> um, no, um, no, you've said, right? Obviously I'm helping you. And obviously I'm asking the question, you know, because we're doing this, because I'm, I'm, you know, supporting your development, you know, I've got that rapport with you. Therefore, I'm asking the why question, not as a accusation, yeah. but I'm asking a question that forces you to rethink what you currently understand. But the first 10 seconds to 30 oh, seconds, of course. It's I hard. felt like I was like, don't unpack what I've done here. Like, don't, be, don't be coming at you me. Say, you second <laughs> don't guess yourself. My yeah. people. <laughs> coming at my people here. <laughs> Imposter syndrome sets oh. in and all of a sudden you're on the back foot and you're like, oh, wow. And the heat comes up the back of your neck. Uh, <clears throat> apologies, guys, if you hear us uh, chugging so on that, a, bit of, a bit of whiskey there. <laughs> I don't even drink much whiskey, but this has been very nice. Red breast. Red breast 12. Quick <laughs> shout out. We're looking Again, for sponsorship. We don't, uh, <laughs> don't access one. Usually I go mute to cough, but... <clears throat> Because we're recording in a hotel room with a laptop on the side, I had to do that on camera. Oh or, yeah, this is live. This is no. This is friends. live. This is. I thought. Do you know the question I thought you were gonna. I really, I really thought. I assumed what you were gonna say was um, that. How do you expect me to do that? That's a good one too, though. I thought that was the one. Yeah. No. I don't know. You're gonna say the why. The why is good. I haven't yet. To be clear, I haven't used why. <laughs> in a long time, I need to learn how to use it again. Because it's like I haven't used why. In my calls, yeah, insult. And if I accidentally say it, I feel like oh, because because it's a dangerous question. It's a loaded question. Yeah, I don't right? like going for danger, man. No, yeah. but let's go. But let's go talk about the other one, though. You know, the the defense of when a customer or a prospect asks asks you to do something that could be considered unreasonable. For example, the customer says, "No, that's too expensive. I need that to be at least my budget's fifty percent less than that." How do you expect me to do that? Exactly. It's a very powerful question. Then the tone of voice wasn't right there. So you need to be like, how do you expect me to do that? Yeah. More powerful question. Why is that so Why is that so powerful? He explains in the book, but from your perspective. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, in my, from my perspective, it makes the person on the other end of the conversation think and come up with a solution. Exactly. Because you've turned him arguing with you to him now arguing with himself because he has to come up with the answer to why he needs 50% extra. And that's where you start uncovering some more needs or yeah. some more nuggets of information that will help you in the negotiation. I think that's really powerful. So I think, yeah, that's a yeah. really good question. Um, question I haven't had to use, obviously, but I do think it's relevant to the next step. It is. It's an interesting one. I haven't. I actually haven't put that into practice in personal life or business life. But it is an interesting one to maybe try, guys. I'm going to be honest. In I've ref- obviously refreshed some of the information from Never Split the Difference. Not not even Never Split the Difference. He's it's got more the from book Chris right Wells. here. I have the book here, but <laughs> I instead chose to listen to two two podcast episodes. No, more interviews. Diary with Diary of a CEO and uh, um, the High Performance Bartlett. High Performance Podcast. 
with Jake Humphreys. The two of them are like really good interviews with him. So I listened to them too. Um, If anyone wants to hear about Chris Voss, if you don't want to read the book, them two episodes, like 40 minutes and an hour long each, really, really good insight into uh, the the man who's behind the the ideas. Um, In in, in general, I do that anyway. I mean, like I I joined this company less than a year ago, almost a year ago. Um, but the first thing I did, okay, I'm joining this 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 big logo or whatever American tech company. I said, well, what what are they about, and how, who better to find out what they're about than the founder? So I went and searched all the podcasts I could that the founder had been <laughs> on, and listened to his interviews. I heard him tell the origin story. I heard him talk about the journey they've been on, and I heard him talking about what they're trying to do next or what yeah. we're trying to do next. Because now I'm part of it. I'm in the beast. I'm, I see the other side, and it's it's a really really interesting thing to do, uh, especially if your if your company, if your CEO or senior leaders in your business do interviews. It's always a good way to hear what they say to the public because that's very interesting to clash and contrast with what you hear internally and see how they marry up. Right. Uh, so that's really good. But I could be possibly interviewing for an AE position in the next few months. So yeah. how am I going to use? Chris Voss and also the people that's interviewing me are going to listen to this episode so I can't really use any of the stuff we're talking about no that's good it's good okay so let's talk about okay let's get to the core of the book right let's go to the negotiation we're in the sales cycle you're arguing or you're not arguing I use arguing in the purest sense of the word we're having a conversation to tease out an idea so we're discussing the contract and we're trying to get to yes the the whole con- the whole idea of the book is never split the difference. And what that means is don't go conceding where you don't need to, because conceding leads to bad deals. You know, he he uses this expression of or he uses this analogy in the book where he talks about you're wearing black shoes and the guy beside you wants you to buy brown shoes and you kind of both concede and you end up with one black shoe and one brown shoe. Fucking bullshit, man. I mean, nobody looks good doing that. You don't win. He doesn't win. It's a bad deal. So that's that's the premise of the book. And I really like that. I really like that as an idea because there's got to be, you got to, like meeting halfway often ends up in bad deals. What that's what say? it says. The devil's in the detail. Devil's in the detail. The devil's in the detail. Yeah. And objections. Obje- I've always said objections aren't a bad thing. No. If you say, if the customer says nothing, that's that's terrible. That's a bad thing. Objections mm-hmm. are a great thing. An objection is just a request for more information. Because they yeah. don't understand something, obviously. Yeah. Um, get, get past the smoke screen, isn't it? Like, exactly. Is it real or is it some... There is What else is in play here? Like, what can we get to the truth? And that's what Paddy's taught me that. Get to the truth. No matter what the truth is. Like, the situations where I give him feedback is like, hey, this is what happened. Probably not going to happen. But, I, like, this is, gen- this is the truth. Like, this yeah, is actually yeah, what's yeah. going on. Like, oh, that's fair. Let's, like, hold off. These are people running a company. No problem. Get to the truth. And that's pretty what, much what Chris Foss is saying. Get past the smoke screen. Get to that truth. And if you can get to that truth, this the is objection the- is genuine. You're yeah. like, well, fair enough. Let's wait six months. Let's wait two years. Whatever it is. Not every deal goes through. 93% of hostage negotiations and 7% don't. 7% end up with somebody being killed. Brown bread. So, like, there's a 7% fail rate for hostage negotiation, negotiations in the FBI. So you can't expect every single thing to work every single time. It's a good metric, though. Just thinking off the top of my head now. 93% win rate, guys. Mm-hmm. 
the average the the average win rate in most sales organizations twenty percent, maybe twenty five percent if you're pretty shit hot. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's something in this. Yeah. Don't be afraid of no. Another big one. And Don't I'm just be throwing afraid things of no. now. Yeah, you're, just, you're, you're just literally just throwing. You're things. spitballing. You're going off course. I mean, look, they, for me, like the the bad deals thing is important because as the cust- as a salesperson, you know, fifty percent of something is better than a hundred percent of nothing. We're afraid of losing deals. We go into every call, every opportunity, thinking this is the one. It has to be successful. You know what? Qualify out. Yeah. Don't be afraid to say, no, you're not a right fit. You're, we had this chat this week already, Luke, about yeah. you speaking one of your prospects and you were very, I was very proud of you because you were using some, you were using the right mentality where you were saying, look, yeah. to your client, you, or what you told me anyway, you, to your client, you'd said, or your potential okay. client, that, yeah. look, is it this or is it not? Let's see what's going on because if you're not a right fit, that's fine. Let's so, not waste your time. So what? Uh, what did you, you gave me a tip and it was um, find out what they really want or whatever. And yeah. Obviously, same, same thing. <laughs> or what, whatever. Whatever you said, I can't remember what it was, but word for word. But the next morning I was chatting to somebody and it was like, what do you want from your business? And they're like, oh, what do you mean? I was like, well, what do you want? What What do you want to happen here? I go, oh, you want to know what I think of your solution compared to another solution? I was like, no, no, no. Solution's out the window. Like as a business, what are you trying where to do you want to be? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to do? keep doing and do better? And what do you want to stop doing? How many people do you want to hire? How many people do you need to make it more efficient? Like, tell me what you want to do as a business. And let's make sure that if we are going to go through a demonstration, we are going to go through an evaluation. If we can't hit them markers that are where you need to be as a business, then let's recommend you a different solution. Straight up. And then, like, bang, like, offloaded everything that they needed, everything that they wanted, all the challenges and pain. I was like, sweet. We can't I'm making up a new expression. This. I call yeah. it a pain waterfall. Pain, pain, waterfall. A- pain avalanche. <laughs> it just all came out. The pain avalanche. But if your if your heart's in the right place, I think in them situations, like you said, I don't. I have. The, I'm like, I'm turned thirty on Friday. Cheers again. Ching ching. Ching ching. <laughs> Couple annuals. Anyway, that wasn't just for a drink of whiskey. Um, but I'm like. A, bit, a little bit older than a lot of SDRs and they're moving up to AE. So I've got an opportunity to do things right the first time. And that's what I keep focusing on. And that's why you've been coaching me. That's why I've been asking for so much help. And I know a lot of people don't want to ask for help because they don't want to seem weak or whatever. But that's where this is. This, I have an opportunity to not be eager for a deal and not 50% off or be doing things for the right reasons at the right time. So, And I'm with the company that does it. They do it day in, day out. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. But yeah, sorry. Again, on a tangent, but it's the last one, so I'm uh, get my we, thoughts we love, we love a slight tangent. Shout out to, to John Malloy and the off-the-ball team, because they love a slight tangent. Should we get this a little bit more whiskey, will it? Aye. Oh, that's a good sound, isn't it? Um, let me let me round off. Like One last thing. and I think, it's, I think it's relevant for all of the... Yeah, pour that in there. I think it's relevant for all salespeople. Um, it's um, it's about... It's about personas again, because we talked about personas a few weeks ago, right? And what Chris Voss says in this book is there's always a team behind the table. I love this because he says, if you're not influencing that team behind the table, you're vulnerable. I think that's something we look in in the industry. I'm in tech, right? So in in tech, we call it multi-threading. In my old world of non-tech, we would have called it, you know, expanding the buying center, understanding the other personas that are influencing that decision. Mm. You know, they, they talk about in some methodology selling to committees. The idea that 
the decision making process is now more than one person because like if you're spending money on something as a company no one person's a king no one person gets to say yeah we're buying that because he's getting input or she's getting input from a technical person who can evaluate is this the right fit can we integrate this with our systems can we do all of this he's getting input from a finance or a, bar, a procurement person saying hey can we afford to do this? Is there a good ROI on this? Mm. And then there's ultimately a business decision maker, a CEO, a head of a department, or whoever's going to use it, or whoever team's going to use it. So Chris Voss says, if you're negotiating with one person, you're vulnerable. And he's so right. That's why we talk about influencers and champions and these yeah. things. So if you're not influencing, you're not speaking to the other people within the buying center. Like he's saying, if you're not speaking to the other the team behind the person you're speaking to, then you're vulnerable. I completely agree with him. It's 100%. That's sales. I wouldn't say sales 101, but it's definitely 102. OT thread. And yeah, it's tough. It is tough at the start, though. It's still tough. Um, but it's tough when you've, you've got somebody as an SDR and you're like, they're in front of you and you've, you're like agreeing and everything's going well. And then, oh, you've got a time and you're booking Happy it. Years. It's, yeah. You sound like Patty. Always <laughs> 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 saying, you know, this is back some because we had happy years there, Luke, but you've got to be admitted of uh, when it happens. But yeah, multi thread. Also, something I've been focusing on very recently, as in the last kind of week or two, is not multi just multi-threading the person that you're speaking to, but making sure if you're if you're working for a platform, you do more than one thing. Multi-threading the platform. If they're looking at one specific area, make sure you're mentioning the other benefits, the other areas where your company wins. Oh yeah, we, um, we had we had this conversation the other night talking like, about demo. Yeah, if you don't, if you're keeping things as very single-threaded, yeah, it's um, it's not a good idea. But the people behind the people, yeah. But like we, we had this conversation about a one slider. Remember, we talked about. I'm going to try it, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, 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 I think we'll, it's two slider. I think I spoke to one of my colleagues today uh, and she was saying, you could get it down to two slides. She's a peer. She's also look, an SDI. It, it, it's better than what you had before. But look, the idea for the for the, for the audience listening, if, if you're still there, earth calling listeners. Um, we talk about doing a demonstration. And one of the things, one of the things we want to do is set the set the topic of the meeting the agenda of the demo to say hey we're going to cover off this this and this because this is of use to you but the idea we were talking about was having one slide which highlighted maybe the 10 or 12 or 15 things the platform does and then in a kind of interactive way circle or highlight or call out the two or three things that you mentioned because subconsciously what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I've heard you. I hear you. These are the things we talked about. We're going to do a demo on these things, but you're also flashing up and showing off. There's all these other things and very, very nonchalantly or very offhand, you can say, hey, we also do all these other things. And look, if you if you if you have a read of that and if there's anything else that you think might be interesting, we're happy to talk to that too. So you're not feature bashing, you're not pushing an other solution and you're not trying to cookie cut a demo that you've done a hundred times to this to this prospect and say, hey, you're the same as every other person I speak with. Instead, you're demoing what they want to see because you've had a discovery call, you've been handed this, this hot lead, <laughs> hot leads, and you're going to say, look, I hear you. We know what you want to discuss. We know what's of interest to you. I'm going to show you these are the things we're going to talk through. But if there's anything else there we haven't touched on that might be interesting for you, there it is. Have a read and we'll talk to that. And you give your customer an opportunity 
to see the wider gamut of your solution or your or your platform, and they may or may not say, actually, what's that? Or yeah. that's interesting as well. We we have an issue with that. And that same customer or prospect or whatever way it is gets to the end of the demonstration and you've done all of them steps that you talked about there and they're saying nah, uh, give me a discount like where do you go how do you crisscross the situation how can i do that how can i do that how do you expect me to do that? <laughs> how do you expect me to do that <laughs> indeed indeed yeah and that's where you get talking about multi-year deals and you start doing the whole commercial yeah. crow on it and you start building out that thing and what I always do in those situations I used to do was I'd never commit up front because for me for my customers I was always their champion I always said to you look I'd love to be able to do what you're going to do because look you're, you're, a good, you're a good company I'd love to work with you guys so let me take your concerns and your requests in house let me go see if I can go and get that from our commercial, they might make the commercial thing the bad guys. You know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm working with you. I want to work with you, and I took that away from me. So the emotion was not them versus me. It was also me and my customer, my would be customer together. And I'm gonna go into my company and go have the fight for them. That's the way I used to phrase it. You know, I used to go yeah. and say, "Hey, you want to get this, this, and this? Okay, but I know this 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 team, the commercial team, is gonna ask me for okay, if we give them that twenty percent discount, what are we getting back? So I say, look. Like, I'm not asking you to, 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 to sell me the sun, moon, and world here, but I kind of say, look, if we if we give you the 20% discount, I'm going to need to bring the payment terms down to 30 days instead of 45. Or I'm going to need to, I need to give them something, you know, make, because make that's because yeah. otherwise it's going to fall on deaf ears. And look, I want to do this for you, Mr. Customer, but we kind of have to, we kind of have to trade with these people a little bit, you know? And that is Chris Voss. I, like, that's a t- thing that he mentions. He says, um, Making false promises that you can't go through with or making promises that actually end up in a bad deal are negative to everyone. So exactly what you said is what he says. He's like, well, he's in a hostage negotiation at one time and somebody was looking... Oh, actually, it was actually on the Steve Barlett, um, the diary CEO. He brought it up there. <laughs> he was like me. trying to command... Like, Steve was like, oh, I need, um, I need you a car in 60 seconds. How am I meant to do that? Whatever. And then he, yeah, uh, he eventually yeah. gets to it and he's like, I'm I'm good. I have like five people that I can't even get to them. But when I get to them, if I even if I wanted to get them all here right now, like they're gonna say no. I know they're gonna say no. It's the, the situation is not beneficial to them. So I can go and do that. But the more than likely the situation is, we're gonna have to add something or take something away. So exactly. And all he's doing in that moment, in that time, is negotiating for time. And that's uh, a kind of way to maybe seal it off. Is Chris Ross says it about five or six different times during the book. Negotiation is just for you to get more time. That's all it is. It's bargaining for time. That's it. Everything is time. Money, time, everything is time. But yeah. All, same for our customers. Think, let's let's maybe maybe let's wrap on, on the AE stuff and let's talk about instead. Sorry, I'm scratching the chair here. Uh, let's maybe talk about instead. It's authentic. We're literally sitting in a hotel room recording this. I know, right? You're in you're in a very comfortable chair. I'm on a little desk chair. I know the man gets all the perks, but uh, <laughs> you know, but he, that's why they pay him the big bucks. Um let's talk about life then. Let's get away from sales. Oh. I mean did now you? we're talking about a topic I oh, talk about. Oh, I know, yeah. Get in. Started in like, sit back for the next 45. No, we're getting nah, this over nah, quick. Nah. Let's do this, work. One thing, okay. One thing you took from the book that maybe you could apply to your life. Oh, I can't do one. Um, well, go on. Give I've got to do multiple, then. right? So <laughs> the worst stuff, everything, the worst things that have ever happened to Chris Voss 
have created a positive impact on his life. The only reason he became an FBI negotiator is because his knee got hurt. The only reason he ended up as a FBI negotiator is because him, like he went to FBI negotiator school or to, to apply for the job and the lady was like, no, go and work on a suicide hotline. Oh, he and, went to the call center. Yeah, like out of kind of a thousand people, only That's him right. and one other person have ever done it. So all the worst things that ever happened to him actually created a really good positive out outcome so i'd be very very eager to get that message out there that no matter what happens to you if it's negative right now more than likely when you look back you're gonna go oh actually i'm not oh i've actually improved in this way or this is now carved me into this type of person because of that situation so that's number one. Oh yeah don't take advice or never take advice from somebody that wouldn't do what you're trying to do that's huge. So don't take advice from somebody that would not sit and do what you're trying to do. Don't be taking advice from them. Or who hasn't already who done hasn't it. already. They would have. Yeah. Like they could or they would. Um, and then learn, third one is learn to be a sounding board. Because if you're, if somebody's in a tough, tough situation, he speaks about the um, being in a situation where somebody's having a mental breakdown and they're really struggling. And all he says is like, oh, sounds like you're having a tough time. And the guy speaks for 20 minutes. If you're, talking to somebody for over 20 minutes and they're having a negative issue or they're, they're not feeling great and they don't come to a solution, you're talking too much, you're advising. And that's something that I have tried to tone back quite a lot. People in a personal life, professional life, yeah. talking to people on the phone. It's I, If you have advice to give, ask for permission. Do you mind if I give you my advice here? Or would I, you like me to give you advice here? Something like that. So I, that's I think my that's three. Huge. No, I think that's huge because there's often a point. I think Irish people do this anyway. Like two paddies here in, in the States, I know. We're the ultimate stereotype. I think we came over on the Mayflower. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I think it's an Irish trait that we almost go into problem solving rather than listening mode. I, I I think a lot of other cultures are better at this than us. They kind of they're happy to listen and absorb, whereas Irish people go into problem solving mode. Maybe we're nurturers, yeah. maybe we're just grafters, and we just kind of say, "Oh, you've got a problem, I want to." And maybe we're just helpful people. That's just our thing. But asking for permission to provide input or to kind of comment I think is huge it's yeah. brilliant I think if I go to my my one takeaway because I'll leave it at one it's 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 a segue from yours for me it was that mirroring piece of well, I call it SSL because I've shortened it in my own head because I use it all the time now it seems it sounds it looks because each of those expressions it seems like this is happening or it sounds like this is happening or it looks to me like this is giving you trouble because each of those expressions are open enough that you could be wrong and not be telling somebody they're doing something that they're not. You know what yeah. I mean? You're not you're not saying that you're definitely doing something. It sounds like it. It seems like it. And I could be wrong. You have that deniability. I think that was huge for me, that change of language. You know, the Dumbledore thing in Harry Potter where he says in the last book, you know, and I think that was a perfect way to end the book. He talked about, Words, in my opinion, are our most inexhaustible use of or inexhaustible source of magic. And I thought yeah. that was perfect because the whole story, seven years, eight books, is all about magic. It's all words. And he talks about language, words being yeah. actually our biggest source of magic. And I always, that always stuck with me. And I think it seems, it sounds, it looks, is exactly that. It's magic. Yeah. Nice. Um, and yeah, I think uh, Chris Foss's... Um, tips are more relevant to my life than to my SDR role. Um, but people that have been extremely relevant is 
company I work with in uh, in Ireland. Felix, one hundred percent, getting me into business to business sales initially. Bit of um, backpatting here. We got Ethan, my manager. Greg, my manager, who's moved up to a manager and Paddy. Um, but there's one like person that see these are all like learnings. If I'm in coaching with Felix, or I'm learning and. Uh, work or maybe I'm just like stu- being studious but person is like being the most impactful to making sure that I can unpack things in my mind and making sure in them moments I can really run through conversation tracks and figure out what to do next and where to go next and listening to all my stupid ideas more times than she has to <laughs> is Laura. Laura has literally taken I take all the information that I learned from different sources and I have to obviously figure out what to do myself but she's my sounding board and she helps me out and she she really does and the person people that are around you never take that for granted because they can they can really really help but also they, they don't have to so it, I, I do appreciate the, all the work Laura's done up with me um, and helped me and listened to my absolute ramblings for hours and hours <laughs> and hours every single week so yeah she's also got me to this point and who knows next step hopefully AA next time we record I'll either be close or there and maybe I'll not be there but it'll be fun to listen and a little bit of a recap but yeah it will it will I mean look I, I think I think let's let's wrap on Voss there look it's a good book I enjoyed it I, I definitely took a lot from it we've been talking about it all season I think go give it a listen or Go give it a read. I mean, the audiobook's pretty good. Tal Ross does the voice. So, like, obviously, if you've listened to NPR, you've heard him. He's a really good voice. Very easy listening. And it's 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 worth, it's worth going through it and draw your own conclusions, you know. Like I said, it seems to me it was a pretty good book. It sounded like a pretty good book. And, you know, look, it, look at us here now, you know. It looks like we're, we're, we're taking a lot from it. So, go draw your own conclusion. But, look, Luke. It's been 10 episodes. It's been 10 episodes. We've been at this since May. I'm going to call it right now, right? Go on. Episode 20, our book review. I feel like, it seems like, (laughs) it sounds like it might be the Challenger sale. Because I think that came naturally after Never Split the Difference for me. It did. I read it straight afterwards and it has been so impactful in my work. And that was a recommendation off Ethan, so shout out Ethan. But yeah. I, I, let's see what happens next season but I think the challenger sale may be the one that we end on next season it's a good show I mean look fair play Ethan I haven't met you but I'm sure we will <laughs> at some stage you come on the show um, but no it was good because when you told me you were reading the challenger sale and I actually did the training so I went through the challenger tra- sales training with the guys and I sat in the workshop I was like oh yeah teach Taylor take control I'm going to go back and listen to that and it just happened, my wife, Andrea, and myself, we were painting, we were painting the garden, painting the fences in the garden, and I said, look, she's away now, I'm I'm going to have four or five hours of six hours of painting. She thinks she went off drinking with my sister. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so I have five, six hours in the garden, myself and the pooch. Shout out to Luna, Luna the Shih Tzu, she's, she's unreal. Um, yeah, so five, six hours, I sat down, not sat down, I was there, hard graft, painting the fence. And uh, yes, I'd listen to Challenger Sale again. It was a great use of time. And I took a lot from it again because I was going through that process of evaluating yeah. methodologies and thinking about what my company needs. And it was definitely a good one. So I think, yeah, maybe episode 20, maybe sometime mid-season. We might not yeah. wait till 20. P- um, just um, P- 
PSA um, or whatever it's called, safety announcement. Uh, <laughs> I was, was uh, going to read it earlier in my SDR life and Paddy did recommend I hold off and you should hold off if you don't understand the product to at least a little bit, like a 5% or 10%, you can talk to the product and you understand your role and you understand the tech stack. Get everything else done first yeah, and then get to a point where you can see the future, then read it. Don't be reading this day one of one. No, like no, that's no, a no. terrible idea. So yeah. No, because it'll, it'll fill your head with with good information but information maybe you're not ready for yet i always say the challenger sale is not a foundational methodology it's not a place to start as a young seller i think um, like we were talking about before you need a kind of it's funny i read this article when i was going through this process and they said is your sales methodology an innie or an audi so you know like a like a belly button an innie is one that looks at your you know, your opportunity management flow, how you, your sales boss, how you put opportunities in your system and manage them through, or is it an Audi? Meaning how you have conversations with customers. Challenger sale is very much an Audi, how you have conversations with customers, but that is a provocative approach to having conversations with a customer. And I think not every, not every company can do it. No, you have to be a platform, I think. Or you have to be like, I don't know. You have to be a disruptor. <laughs> I, I think you've got to be a disruptor. I mean, I think they don't do the challenge sales for everyone, but I think there's a place for the, what they talk about with the right engine behind you because it's not all on sales. And we'll talk about it, but I think that'll be one interesting to, to, to explore. But I would say, like, to your point, as an SDR, get a strong understanding or foundation of your product, your solution, what problems you solve or what you enable for your customers and be shit hot at that and then get to a point where maybe you 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 apply this challenge yourself because it's a different world. Anyway, let's not talk about that now because it's next year's job. That's next year's job. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you if you have listened. Um, I know my dad listens, so thank you, dad, for listening. If you are the only one, fair enough. Anyone wants to send an email? Two guys, one USP at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Still got the LinkedIn. Still got the LinkedIn. Thank you all for following. Um, but yeah, like when you get the next episode drop, I don't know. Be It'll be interesting anyway. So it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for following the journey. Yeah, no, it's been good. Look, we're, we're following this journey and the journey is SDR to E. It's about getting Luke to where he needs to be or where he, where he deserves to be. I mean, I've never met a more enthusiastic junior salesperson. Honestly, I, I, I always say to him, look, if I could if I could bottle what you have and and feed it feed it to other salespeople, I would, you know? And I think there's a there's a lot to be said. So I'm looking forward to next season when we when we update the LinkedIn page and it says AE because he's getting there. We know he's getting there. Um and that'll give a lot more validity to what we're doing here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but until then, until then look, Luke I think look, it's been good. Happy birthday again. Let's have a let's have a drink. Bye. Cheers guys. <laughs> <laughs>